very warm welcome to all our listeners. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you will enjoy this podcast. Satyan, thank you so much for joining us. Same here, Ashish. Thanks for having me. So, Satyan, if you can tell us a little bit about yourself. Ooh, I love these open-ended questions. No. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, I'll, I'll keep it short because I'll let you dig in wherever you see right, based on what your audience would like. Uh, Bombay boy, grew up in an engineering family, loved playing with Legos, started coding at the 8th standard level uh, in basic and then assembly language. Uh, absolutely fell in love with it. Did a bachelor's in computer science in Bombay University, really where I think my learning went backwards, <laughs> given the outdated curriculum. Uh, but then I recovered a bit by when I did my master's in computer science at Stanford, where I did uh, computer science, of course, but uh, user experience design and then finished up with technical technology entrepreneurship. Um, that was kind of the one of the pivotal moments in life. Worked at a couple of companies, interned at Apple. Uh, then started my first startup at the age of 26 in Silicon Valley. I was based there for about 15 years total. Uh, did three companies there, learned how to raise money, learned how to blow up money without finding product market fit, learned how to do lots of introspection about things that I was good <laughs> at and bad at. <laughs> uh, and uh, then the second company was a little bit better. Third company was better. And then on an impulse said, you know, I've never lived as an adult in India. So after 15 years, packed my bags and moved to India and poked around a bit and then started a company which got pretty well known in India called Citrus Payments. Uh, we thought initially we'll build the PayPal for India, but India being India, you had to go much deeper in the full stack. So everything from payment pipes upwards to the full wallet experience. And Citrus was one of those things, as you know, many of your audience members or entrepreneurs will know, that once in a while, things align well. It was the right time for India. We made some good decisions, more good decisions than bad decisions, or maybe the bigger decisions were good compared to all the bad decisions made. So we made a good bet on Indian e-commerce taking off in terms of timing. Halfway through the company, we made a good bet on mobile phones being the big pathway to e-commerce in India. Uh, so two, three things aligned well. Uh, and in 2016, we sold that company for a nice amount, which made lots of shareholders happy, lots of employees happy. Um, and then I started my current company, CubeBelt. And CubeBelt is, is a bit of a mission. Uh, growing up in a middle-class family, Ashish, uh, I'd seen firsthand that, you know, there's nobody to help middle class, busy, hardworking professionals on how to invest their money properly. Once you get super rich, you have your private bankers. But who helps you if you are an engineer, if you are, you know, in the creative industry, if you are a hardworking, just like, you know, regular Joe? And he said, there is so much excitement in the Indian market about new kinds of fintech products, assets. There's, even in the old assets such as mutual funds and stocks, there's such a high lens you can put to discern high-quality advisors from average or below-average advisors. And this is a service that you 
nobody is providing for somebody who maybe has, you know, or tens of lakhs of rupees. Um, so can we build something that can scale, which uses a combination of technology, of course, uh, user experience in terms of simplicity, so we're not confusing our user, and then some human element, because when it comes to money, people want handholding at some stages in life. So it's one of those hybrid companies that combines these two, three strands, Cubewell. So Satin, so what was then the, uh, you mentioned, you know, you created uh, Cubewell. So uh, a lot of uh, plain finance. So what was the reason, first of all, to pick, you know, uh, I want to do this particular thing or it was like, you did some research or it was like, hey, this is what I feel like doing right now. This is a good opportunity because the question which we get a lot of the time is, how do you start something? You know, mm. What was that idea? What was that moment? You know, what led you to believe? Um, or you're like, hey, we need to try it out and see if it works or not. So right. what was that for you? Such a good question, Ashish. Uh, so the very first company I started in Silicon Valley, Trapezo, was B2B software and and we raised $17 million for it uh, from SoftBank Venture Capital and a few others. And, you know, it was one of those intellectual problems that we were trying to solve, saying this should work without having any emotional connection to the problem itself. And I learned my hard lesson there, saying unless you feel the problem for yourself, uh, maybe this is just for me, right? I, I like to I like to associate problems with my personal life journey in some way. Um, if unless you feel the problem yourself, you, it's it's much tougher. So with Cube, I think what happened was very interesting because we had sold Citrus uh, and I'd made some money. Uh, suddenly, I was approached by all these private bankers who wanted to come in and meet and say, "We'll manage your money. We'll do ABC and." Some of them were very impressive. And while I was learning the ropes of how to manage my portfolio, one thought was always stuck in my head saying, how come these guys were not there when I didn't have that much money? <laughs> right? it's, it's, it's nice to manage my money. Would it, it would have been nice if they had helped me or my father grow our money when we needed to grow it. And, and so I think this was the association I put saying, I have certain skills. Now I'm exposed to this new world. How can I map it to basically my childhood, my younger years, and say, can we bring together a solution using technology which simplifies it without needing somebody to sit in front of you for one hour every month to explain to you why your portfolio went up or down, uh, usually with made-up stuff, by the way. <laughs> uh, I learned very quickly. Uh, made-up excuses. Uh, and can we build something that appeals to what we call the busy professionals of India? Right? Somebody who's earning money in the tens of lakhs, whose maybe portfolio today is between 10 lakhs and 2 crores, uh, which could be partially in the bank, it could be in real estate, it could be in anything. Can we build something that helps people like my father? My whole team is coming has come from middle class backgrounds. So it helps all of us. And can we use the newfound knowledge and our passion for technology and simplicity to make this work? And then we realized this problem statement is, is true for people all across the world. And today we have Indian origin clients from the US, we have them from Europe, 
obviously the bulk of them come from different cities in India. We cover over 100 zip codes. Um, it's because everybody's dealing with this problem. Once I have money, how do who's going to help me invest it? Your bank RM? Absolutely not. They have a sales quota. They're going to help you figure out how to meet their quota. <laughs> Your neighborhood mutual fund uncle? Uh, yeah, he might help with mutual funds if he's honest, but how much does that person know, right? Versus the alternative is if you have somebody who's saying, I'll find the best mutual fund advisor based on their track record in the market and make them available via tech to you. I'll find the best PMS managers. I'll look at alternative assets that are emerging in India that are disrupting banks from P2P to invoice discounting to asset finance and give you returns for your short term, which are 10, 12% instead of your bank giving you 3, 4%. And who is going to do the due diligence on all of them? integrate them into your system so that your view is very simple. I mean, what do you care about, Ashish, when you invest your money, right? What's your portfolio amount? What was your profit percentage? Mm -hmm. and, and for fun, how much did I make in rupees in profit, right? These are really the three things you care about. Everything else is noise, which confuses at best. So um, um, here is my little... I'm not a finance expert or anything, so but my little based on my little understanding. So there is this narrative, right, which is set in the market, be it in US or India, right? Passive investing, right? Uh, as the track record say, for most, um, the proposition is, hey, you don't need the best fund manager, blah blah blah. Just invest in index fund, and yes. the big companies in India are making moves, be it Zeroda, Reliance. Uh, you know, in terms of they are trying to crack this space, right? So then how do you sort of counter this narrative or it is something you're doing different? No, it's a great, great point. And by the way, now anybody who touches the U.S. market, we used to have an active fund manager even through our system for the U.S. And now we have actually sunset that product and we said go passive in the U.S. Right? Buy a nice ETF from Vanguard or State or BlackRock and you're set. I think in India, there are two two elements which are different. One is the fact that short-term investments, there's no passive, right? Instead of leaving your money in your bank account or FD, there are so many opportunities in India to create a nice short-term portfolio. By short-term, I mean any money you need under three years. Right? You want to buy a car next year or planning for your child's school fees and you don't want to keep it sitting in the bank. And there are many opportunities in India with, as I said, these alternative products which are regulated by RBI by SEBI uh, and we work with a few of them where you can make a decent amount of money. Don't put all your money there. We always warn users that you put 20-30% of your short-term money but diversify that portfolio. Now there is there aren't many passive products for that short term. That's number one and that's a big chunk of money that Indians have for the, that they need in the next three years. Then you have the medium term and longer term. So we call it the three timelines, right? And we make uh, nine buckets based on the timelines and the risk level. Um, for the medium term, maybe you talk about mutual funds. And the long term, which is six years plus, you talk about maybe a stock portfolio. Now, both of these you could definitely do with a passive fund. And India also has this, uh, a few of them. But my current take in India is that it's such a dynamic economy that there are diamonds out there 
that a very good fund manager with a proven track record can expose and make you some alpha. Alpha being significantly more money than the the average that the market provides. Um, why is this the case? Because in India, you still need to talk to the promoters, still understand their motivation, their ambition, even their ethics, right? Are they going to watch out for themselves first or are they going to pay their shareholders first? Um, beyond that is also a market which has a lot of whisper information, right? Whisper information is a euphemism. Maybe in the US, you would call it maybe some insider news, right? <laughs> Uh, but there is, I mean, let's be practical. There is part of that, right? Who you know will tell you. So as a good example, when the whole ILFS collapse happened two, three years ago now, um, my private bankers told me three months before, get out of ILFS. I'm like, why? I don't get it. This is one of the storied institutions in BKC in Bombay. There's a building with its great sign. I've been there inside for other meetings. And they're like, don't ask too many questions. Just get out. And it turned out to be true because there's news, right, that the debt is being covered, blah, blah, blah. So India being India, India is dynamic. I say there's still potential. Maybe it'll change in time. There's still potential for a great fund manager to give you alpha. Um, and sometimes it happens in mutual funds, sometimes in stocks, sometimes even in bonds. I was offered a bond which was on its surface giving uh, a AAA bond. Uh, by one of the private bankers that was giving 9% and in 8 months it sold for a yield of 22%. Wow. So there's this shocking stuff which happens and we I, I don't claim I'm a tech guy like you. <laughs> I just know what I don't know and I'm like there are experts out there. Our job is to find them, integrate them in our platform and say you do the magic. How do, you, how do we decide you're an expert? We look at the risk you've taken, we look at your track record, how much AUM you're managing how much you've beaten the market by, not in the short term, but five to 10 years, at least we look at your track record. And this is stuff which an everyday person, Ashish, finds very hard to do, right? This is not fun stuff for most people. And even for the ones who it's fun, you can't reach out to a top tier fund manager and say, hey, spend one hour with me if I do anything for you, right? They're like, unless you have 10 pros, I'm not interested. This is the same we do that work. We have enough time to manage 200 people. Can you, can you talk to us? Can you understand? And, and then we can decide whether you can. So, you have a team of experts who are then managing the funds, and where does it typically get deployed? In equity, debt, like what's the split, and what is the kind of returns you guys are sort of yeah. promising so, or you have the record you have seen so far? Yeah. So, we are a curated marketplace, right? We don't create our own funds, we are the tech part of FinTech. What yeah. we do have is a team which will look at experts out there and decide which experts meet our quality bar to integrate them, either experts or asset manufacturers. So when you open up the app, uh -huh. uh, step one, it'll ask you a lot of questions on your life stage, lifestyle, risk preference. And then it gives you a suggested plan of how to invest money in different buckets for different timelines and risk levels. Then you still make the choice of deciding which asset or which advisor you want to go with. And we show you the credentials of each one of those uh, so that they are the registered entities, right? We are just the software which is picking, handpicking and curating for you. Mm -hmm. um, and then you see, so like, for example, our mutual fund advisor of choice is a company called Wealth First. Mm -hmm. um, 
have you ever heard of them maybe i think yes yeah. so they typically fly under the radar they are a small operation they mm-hmm. manage over a billion dollars they've mm-hmm. been in the mutual fund business since 1980 some of the pioneers mm-hmm. uh, they started uh, individually the three principals were in the mutual fund business in 20 years back they started this company and it has beaten the average mutual fund returns of india by 50% mhm they typically cater only to ultra hnis mm-hmm. and what we what with them is saying guys what you do is such amazing work don't you think there's an opportunity to service somebody who is not an ultra hni and they said we can do it but we don't have the human resources to do this you guys have to manage everything and that's where our tech stack kicks in right we've automated a lot of backward integration with them to grab their recommendations keep changing them in the app so that you get the best recommendations and for them it's no additional work but they kind of are doing it to help out the next generation so and so yeah. how does your sort of then business model works is it like on a per lead basis or on the quantum of the money they put in or how does yeah it so all of the consumption of of so you will buy all these assets inside the app itself it's a full life cycle app we guide okay. you on what your portfolio should be we show you the assets do your full kyc without repeating it for every asset we we reuse your kyc information so you have a very simple path to onboard uh so the first asset you will have to do the kyc for that asset then when you buy a second asset you just do the delta between the kyc needed for the second versus what you've already done simplifies a lot of things we all are used to providing a pan card attested and 20 other documents each time we want to buy something in india so this was another problem we wanted to remove Uh-huh. and then you actually consume and buy the asset inside the app itself and then uh-huh. you track the entire portfolio inside the app so you never need to really go to any of these advisors websites itself our model works on a simple structure which i'll be the first to say is not ideal but we we hopefully have stuck the ethical base of it we get paid a commission for any of the assets we sell and this is the standard model in india we did explore can we participate and say we make money only when you make money by a kind of a profit share mm-hmm. but that is not allowed as per sebi regulations in india unless you are a particular kind of fund manager and we didn't want to go in that direction of being okay. regulated and mm-hmm. becoming a fund manager but having said that i'll t- share a couple of stats with you you asked her how is the performance doing well it depends on how your portfolio is right how mm-hmm. much you want for short term long term mm-hmm. but since we started on june 1st 2018 which is about 5 years plus now mm-hmm. our customer retention rate is 84% mm-hmm. lifetime so clearly we are doing something well for our customers that they they're choosing to keep their portfolios with us and in fact growing their portfolios uh our our referral rate with customers is over 40% so 40% of new customers come from existing customers referring us and we love those two stats because we know it's a slow long game of 20 plus years that we are building this company for and we want customers to be happy with us we are not perfect we make mistakes but uh, our software sometimes has bugs like all software including so what was the biggest biggest mistake you made in this <laughs> so the biggest mistake was early days when we didn't know exactly which demographic this was for Uh-huh. so we reached one upwards we tried to go to hnis and we realized that was not our market because they expect you to come in and meet them they want more sophisticated products 
ऑलमोस्ट लाइक दे वॉन्ट अ वेराइटी दे लाइक और कुछ दिखाओ वी डोंट हैव और सारी मार्केट like but our kotak guy gives us so many fun creative skills we are like yeah we don't need mm. that right so or kuch dikha so we said okay we can't treat these guys they need very different kind of love and attention then we went the other extreme and we did a campaign once when we built our first pipe to invest in the us market and we said for 1 dollar start buying apple shares mm. right and we could actually afford it our unit economics were good so our seo campaigns etc and our instagram campaigns got a lot of users for that right everybody who's saying are uh, i want to buy apple i want to buy google i want to buy mm-hmm. nvidia now and we realized that is not the market for us because you get people with very small portfolios who are just learning no fault of theirs right maybe they're just learning how to invest but the but the load it created on our wealth coaches our support systems our ops guy was huge and for very tiny amounts of portfolios so i think both of these are learning mistakes so now the portfolio the tg we are going for is not super high end it's in the middle where mm-hmm. we know it's worthwhile for our team to call them once a quarter to do a portfolio review because they the average portfolio is about 8 lakhs but it varies between typically 2 lakhs to maybe a crore even with some clients and uh, you know we we see that it's worthwhile to guide them and it's worth our time and their time so i think though that was probably the biggest learning mistake and hopefully the 16% churn we've had since start was some chunk of it was these two categories that we don't really want to focus on and how is sort of then this sort of um, brings me to this question uh, there are um, i assume how is the competition in this space because is com- like companies like ind money also you consider as a competitor or um how do you position yourself like who is your competitor according yeah. to so our competitor really is your bank rm or your mutual fund local distributor right because those are the people you really go to for advice on what should which mutual fund should i buy which fund, uh, stock uh, equity fund should i buy right um and money initially ashish is uh, somebody i know from a long time uh he they're building a very impressive platform i think it's become much more of a your entire net worth management platform liabilities etc and and that's beautiful that is also needed in in for certain segments um but we've kind of gone in different directions um you see companies like grow and zerodha of course which are self service platforms mm-hmm. where if you know what you want to buy you can go in and buy it. um i think we are really kind of the private banker for for the middle upper middle class of india right so maybe mm-hmm. that's where we see ourselves the close competitor was when citibank had retail operations in india they mm-hmm. had a category called city gold Mm-hmm. and i think that was probably the best tg match for what we had where they did give you personalized service etc understood and um one thing which comes to my mind so if a customer are there any sort of leakages in the system so by that i mean if a customer sees hey this is the guy or you know the company i really like wealth first for example i am able to discover the names for example if i don't know these are the xyz things you know and i can just directly reach out to them does it happen or yeah it definitely happens and we don't mind so much right one because mm-hmm. 
the, there are the economics are the same. You can go directly first of wealth. Wealth first wouldn't entertain you, but I understand like a PMS would entertain mm-hmm. or all asset. You can go directly. Mm-hmm. Uh, your economics are the same. You get the same returns, numbers, etc. Because we are channel partners, so our commissions, etc., are are never you know against added on top of the user returns. Um, so you could definitely go. I'm sure some people go. For anybody who wants to buy a single asset, sure they can go to the individual providers if those mm-hmm. providers will entertain you. But if you want a full balanced portfolio, which you must have, right? Why, if you go individually to each one, you will have to manage your own portfolio with running your Excel spreadsheet with data that you have to manually pull from everywhere on how much you have. You have to do very complex XIRR calculations. XIRR is top, trust mm. me. What we do is we give you an annualized profit number. We don't show you absolute profits, which then you have to combine with some other math function. Uh, and your economics are the same because our commissions don't eat into your returns. They are even throughout the platform. So we are the right simple. That's where the simplicity angle comes in. If you go through us, you have to do one KYC. Your portfolio is all combined and brought into one place across multiple providers. If you want to sell, you press a button and you can sell. You can add on, you can set up a SIP, which can go and be split up across multiple asset providers instead of you doing multiple uh, debits and tracking them in your bank statement, saying where did this money go, what is happening. If you want to make a change, it's all through the simplicity of the app UI. So people might go. I don't see a good reason why you want to go unless you really enjoy spending your weekends with Excel. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. So, so I think in this um, your entire experience, you know, so many companies you started. Which was the most fun one? Um, I would say two. One is. The second company I had was a consulting company. I mentioned in my intro that there was a lot of time for introspection. So my first company, you know, we were actually breaking even and then the down market happened and we were asked by the board to sell it and we did manage to sell it. Uh, it wasn't a big success, but it was it was okay. Uh, but I realized, Ashish, that I really didn't enjoy running that company. And so I took a year off to think why, right? What, like, I mean, everything was check, check, check. Why was I not happy? And I realized two things. One, the way I had studied very hard in my life, I had not studied that hard to run a business and to build a real product. I just jumped into it at a very young age. And the second part was I was not very good at managing my team. So I said I need to work on both these elements. So the second company I started was a consulting company um, where for eight years I worked on some very, very fun, a product design and product uh, strategy consulting company in Silicon Valley. So I worked with clients like Yahoo, AOL, bunch of startups, Cisco. And so a while ago, I added it up and the products I worked on in those eight years launched across 50 countries and touched 100 million people. And I was learning from my clients as much as I was contributing. So I was learning how to build a product that can scale, that has nuances about product market fit. Um, so I what was the I, product? Yeah. Oh, so I was a consultant, right? So there was uh-huh. I had two clients who were in online dating. There was Cisco, which was enterprise collaboration software. Okay. Uh, with AOL, it was a safety security suite. So wide range of products. And then, so a lot of experience on understanding products, talking to top level CXOs, 
to understand how they were thinking about business drivers. So I was getting paid uh, to learn a lot and hopefully contributing a lot to them. And then the second part was because I was a consultant, I had no internal agenda in terms of promotions or anything. I, I, I could work on my human social kind of interaction uh, dynamics to learn how to work with different stakeholders a lot, uh, learn how, how an engineering manager faces constraints, how a product manager has pressure to deliver on certain revenues, right? And what a designer thinks uh, are is the right thing for the user, but has to then negotiate it downwards to what makes sense for timelines and for business needs. So I think that both these honed areas honed my skills a lot. So I really enjoyed that. I think it came into effect when we were building uh, Citrus for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then with Cube, I think with Cube and that consulting company are my favorites. Because with Cube, I finally had the freedom to build something which was close to my heart as a mission mm-hmm. uh, without too much worry about raising money constantly. By the way, we are cash flow positive for the last year and a half. So we love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we're doing something that truly we believe is a need in the market where we can build it for the next few years, decades, maybe, and, and leave kind of a legacy behind. So that's very interesting, Satyan. So, but what was the reason? Um, um, so there are many founders who just come, you know, and we discussed in terms of, okay, yeah, this was an opportunity for me to, you know, these are the things I like, <laughs> A, B, C, and D, right? Uh, but for many of them, it was really difficult to, uh, you know, give away the equity part, you know, uh, when it comes to the sales piece, uh, you know, uh, selling the business off. So what was your motivation, for example, let's say Citrus? Uh, what yeah. was that sort of transition in terms of, you know, uh, to selling the business, the motivations? Sure. Um, so... Lots of factors, right? Um, in in case of Citrus, I think we were very lucky that we had a very uh, good trajectory from the start mm. of the business. As I mentioned, it was good timing. It was a very good team of people that we managed to recruit. We uh, had the entire software stack, especially the mobile checkout was very, very powerful. It was ahead of the market. Nobody else had the SDKs we had built early on. Um, so we made some good, lucky and smart calls. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened around 2015 was that we, I was uh, building a consumer division inside Citrus. And uh, we said we had a difference in, in opinions between the founding team where we didn't agree on how much the consumer division needed to be funded. Mm-hmm. So I actually bought out the consumer division, which was initially going to be a neobank. That was mm-hmm. the vision of within Citrus because in Citrus we had automatic customer acquisition through the payment gateway business that we were funneling to build this the start of a neobank. So within six months of launch, it was called Citrus Cube. We already had three million downloads of the app. It was crazy, but no oh, costs, wow. right? So it was a beautiful yeah. system that was working <laughs> in a virtuous cycle. Wow. But you know, as as I'm sure you've interviewed many founders, sometimes. You know, you forget the bigger picture and certain other issues come up. So we had a difference in opinion about how much to spend, etc. Mm-hmm. So I bought out the unit. So I was still one of uh, the largest individual shareholder and I was still uh, on the board of directors. But in 2016, 
obviously I felt a little bit like, okay, we have to decide what, what we need to do with this entity. That got combined with a couple of other factors. One was the emergence of UPI coming up, right? And now everybody knows UPI is a huge success, but that was very early days of UPI. And I fundamentally felt that was going to be a threat to a regular payments business because it was at 0% cost. It's going, to, it's going to become a prevalent form of payment. Anyway, credit cards are typically a very small segment in India. Debit cards, for whatever reason, people are a bit hesitant to use online for security reasons, etc. So UPI was a looming threat without a strong economic model for a private company, which is still true today. In UPI, you can't make money if you're a payment gateway. Um, so that was the macro factor which said, okay, maybe we should think about getting out of the business. Mm. And the third thing around that was the fact that it wasn't a business, it was a good business, but mm-hmm. it wasn't something I was absolutely in love with, right? I didn't want to dedicate like the rest of my life to being a payments guy. As I was like, it's, it's a problem in 2010, 11, when I moved to India to solve saying online payments are not easy here. Mm-hmm. And we had done a good job of solving it. Yeah. So I'm like, why then? And then as it happened, I'd met the global CEO of PayU in 2015 in Copenhagen at Money 2020. Mm-hmm. And PayU was our biggest competitor in India. And, and when, when we met, it was this awkward look and dance saying, oh, you're my, you're my competitor. <laughs> but like by the evening, we really hit it off. We were having drinks together. He, he said, I'd like to meet you and um, have you meet the rest of our team. So we all met the next day. And that was the seed for, I think, what happened a year and a half later where, where PayU said, we have a global strategy. We want to become the biggest payments player in emerging markets. And India is one of our top markets. And if we buy Citrus, the PayU India plus Citrus combination becomes very strong for our portfolio. So they came with an offer and uh, it was a very generous offer. It's well-documented, $130 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had also raised, at that point, only about 20-odd million dollars from venture capital. Mm-hmm. So we said this is a good return for everybody. India, anyway, is not very famous for lots of MNAs. So here's a genuine offer. Everybody makes money. Our team makes money. 15 people on our team make a, made a career plus which was mm-hmm. super exciting. They've gone on to form seven, eight companies now with wow. a mass uh, value. Uh, their valuation is over a billion dollars from ex-employees of uh, Citrus. Mm-hmm. So lots of enabling factors. We said, you know what, we should do this. Wow. I mean, um, you have seen it all, right? <laughs> so what is your next uh, uh, milestone that you're looking to achieve, Satyan? Like, what is that one thing, you know, you're like, I want to do this with Built or apart from Built. Like, what is what is driving you as of So, a few things. One, I really believe in the mission of Built. I want to make a lot more clients financially healthy. I, I really wish, and this is for your listeners as well, right? Take that first step of starting to invest in high quality. Even if it's a small amount, start. Because 20 years later, you'll thank yourself that you started today, right? It literally changes your life when you have, you don't have to worry about money. And there is no shortcut answer. 
there's no cryptocurrency magic there's no stock insider tip you are going to get that's going to change it these are all hoaxes right um there's only one answer to really being financially healthy which is take that first step be disciplined be boring about investing every month and and use a good platform whether you use cube or somebody else but start using it right don't look for the shortcut trust me i've i've done it i've tried many shortcuts lost many a lot of money when i was younger so one that's what excites me that can we touch many many more people's lives where you know even today we get thank you letters from some customers saying you really helped me i was making good money i was blowing it all up every month i was borrowing money from my parents to go on trips and you guys have set me on this discipline sip path where now i'm so happy and i we do it for a couple of thousand today i wish we could do it for millions of people right and i really want it would excite me so do you recommend buying in bitcoin you know bitcoin is the one asset where crypto where i would say put 2 to 5% of your money and and it's a, it's a bet it's part it's a of the wider portfolio not other cryptocurrencies necessarily but bitcoin is you know that's a much bigger conversation we should do another podcast <laughs> Uh, not the doge coin one but yeah 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 there is some value but it's a hedge right so it's not where your full portfolio should be i own a couple of percent and that's fine uh it doesn't keep me up at night whether the price goes up or down that should be the right amount because what you're buying when you buy stocks or mutual funds are you're buying real businesses making real money run by great ceos right if you buy the right guys i mean imagine you buy put 100 dollars in apple today and basically tim cooks working for you every day that's pretty awesome <laughs> when you think about it that way right um so so that's number one i really want to see more people really go on this path number two connected to that ashish is my team right and mm-hmm. and i've been doing this for donkey years and i'm a little bit tired i'll be honest but i love doing what we're doing and what i love to see is how my team has stepped up over the last few years and they're growing as entrepreneurs as engineers as marketing folks as business people and i really want to see them succeed because i i'm not kidding you they have their hearts in the right place many times they'll be like sakin this guy wants to invest more in this asset but we really want to discourage it he already has too much of it it's not a balanced portfolio i'm like never heard a sales guy say i'll make commission but i really don't think the customer should buy so we do have a very strong ethical cultural bias we don't know whether it will work right the markets are the markets but we're doing all the right things internally and i really think these are the people who deserve to succeed so we've done a few creative things we've shared a lot of equity in this company with the team uh, as i said we are cash flow positive so we actually do profit sharing every quarter with the team and it's amazing so everybody is aligned the same way you know charlie munger very famously has said show me the incentive and i'll show you show you the <laughs> plan and he said okay then something we go together uh so that's number 2 and number 3 maybe is what motivates me is personal now i think for the first time in my life i have some breathing room mm-hmm. to to take care of myself so mm-hmm. i'm working a lot more on my health on my mental health physical health uh spending more time with my parents my family uh you know because till now life had been a hustle right work 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 go somewhere mm-hmm. in the world to move ahead so it's nice to have have that space to to be yourself as a human that's that's really nice and this sort of you know reminds me um 
I think you might be the right expert to ask. Uh, so I was reading a book. Uh, it's called uh, Zurich Axioms, right? So in in that book, it's sort of the premise is like you know how the Swiss bankers make money, blah blah blah. But one of the axiom which sort of caught my attention, it was like, hey, if you want to make uh, sort of any money in this ecosystem, right? Uh, stocks or whatever, bonds, etc., etc. You need to make a significant amount of bet. So just to set the context, right? Right. I mean, their axioms are like way, you know, I don't know. It's the something, it's totally a different narrative they give, you know. Uh, so one of which caught my attention was like, you know, if you want to really put money, you to gain meaningful retu- returns, you need to have a meaningful bet in it. Mm. So that got me really thinking, right? I mean, at the end of the day, what is a hundred dollar will do you know it's not going to be a million right so what is that you know um, this concept of SIP got me thinking right mm. so what are your thoughts <laughs> this is such a good question uh, you know so you asked earlier on what about passive investing right and passive yeah. investing by definition is buying the market so yeah. right now I think for example the S&P 500 is doing about 8-9% right now for the year. Mm. Mm. it's not bad the average has been about 12% Sure. Uh, it goes up and down. Uh, but if you want irrational amount of wealth, absolutely, mm. right? You have to make that extreme investment. For people like you and me or other tech entrepreneurs, our extreme investment is in our own companies, right? The equity mm. we are trying to build. We mm. hope that it'll pay off. For me, it took out of five companies, maybe two paid off. So you have to be okay with three failing, right? So betting on yourself is a big bet. If it pays True. off, it's great. It's a lot of hard work, a lot of pain, a lot of tears, a lot of fighting. It's it's part of it. Now, if you do it in the stock market, this is where this is against the whole passive investing idea. There are many advocates, right? Everybody from, you know, a Charlie Munger and a Warren Buffett who say we just buy great businesses. We just need a few of them. Uh, and, and we do the deep analysis to know whether this is a great business and we hold them for a very long time. Uh, you know, one of my other Warren Buffett favorite quotes is, in the short term, the stock market is a voting machine. In the long term, it's a weighing machine, <laughs> right? It comes to fundamentals. Sure. And there are, you know, there is a personal portfolio I manage for myself in the U.S. markets, which is very concentrated, which is mostly in tech. It's a domain I love Lo- reading about every day out of choice. It's a domain I'm familiar with. So touch would I do that. For the everyday person, what we do have in the cube system is at the extreme, which is the long term, six years Mm. plus, Mm. high risk. We do have options for very concentrated portfolios. And if your risk profile is such that you can afford to put money in this, we definitely encourage you to put certain amounts of money, right? Not short term, not what you need in the next three years for your car, house, etc. Not even medium term where... Five years down, maybe there's a wedding in the family you need to plan for. Not that. But the long term, the money which you really don't need to touch, Warren Buffett style for a long term, wait for the weighing machine to kick in. Mm-hmm. I personally am a fan that don't go by the broad market. Don't go by a mutual fund for that. Worse still is people who buy four mutual funds. That four mutual funds, you've got <laughs> 200 stocks. I mean, buy the index then, right? Yeah. Instead, go bet on some smart fund manager, go buy a highly concentrated portfolio. Give them the time, right? 
this portfolio will take. We tell our clients, you have to judge it only after seven years. Within seven years, and this is very hard to do psychologically, even for somebody like me. I look at it in three years, I'm like, this is not doing well. And then I have to remind myself, I said seven years. This, this guy owns six stocks. Of course, it's going to be a long play. And so, you know, we have people like Marcellus, we have like people like Purnartha, and they don't always do well. But when they do well, when the seven, eight stocks, one or two of them strike out and break out and go high, they go high into what's called multi-bagger land, right? Uh, and then you're just playing a different game of wealth creation. So I'm a big personal fan, but you need to psychologically be ready not to get upset in three, four years if it's not doing well. You need to just, it's almost like put that money in and forget it, right? Mm. Just just don't look at it for a few years, as long as the fund manager is still performing okay. And that's part of what we do at Q. We keep tracking fund managers. We're like, is this going well or no? If there's a fundamental change in their philosophy or strategy, we'll alert our clients saying maybe it's time to get out. But this is absolutely the only way to create great wealth, concentrated, long term. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Good to hear there is an opportunity to take high risk um, bets also. Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with care. Always. I know some smart, smart people who agreed up front and then three years later said, you know what, I'm just buying the index up and it's too much. Too many palpitations. I said, that's fine. I understand. The point of money should be to sleep well at night. If you're going to worry about it, get out, right? Or don't even start. But I personally love putting it in, in some of those uh, top managers in different sectors. I think that's that's the, as I said, you know, seven company CEOs working for you day and night, uh, if you pick those companies and CEOs well, it's, they're, they're going to perform. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks a ton, Satyan, for your time. It was a pleasure to hear your thoughts and what you're building. Sounds fascinating. Uh, any comments from your side? Anything which we may have missed you want to share? Ashish, number one, Excellent, excellent questions. I mean, uh, seriously, I've done a few of these interviews and this was by far the most natural, most fun, the most authentic one. Uh, I would say in my top three podcasts I've done. So thank you so much for, for making it fun. Uh, and number two is just my, my parting advice to all listeners. Start today. Just start today. Wherever you start with, whoever you start with. Of course, I hope it's Cube Wealth. But... <laughs> Wherever you start, do this for yourself. Seriously, 20 years from now, you'll you'll come back and thank Ashish and me. Send us flowers, send us chocolates 20 years from now. We'll, you, by then, the metaverse will tell you where we are already automatically. <laughs> okay? Awesome. <laughs> Waiting for those chocolates <laughs> in metaverse. Awesome. Thank you, Ashish.